Welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. How are you today, Wayne? I'm doing well. You're back in business, huh? Oh, we are back, baby. Second day of training. We're here in New Jersey. Yeah, we had, uh, it's been great. Everybody's been uh, playing it really safe, washing their hands, wearing gloves. Everybody's wearing their mask right or learning and burning. I mean, it's just been awesome. I am so happy to be back that I think I'm even going to sing a little bit. Uh-oh. Definitely well, went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind. He was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man song on a fiddle and playing it hot, the devil jumped up at a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take it there, I'll make a bet with you. You play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul says I'm better than you. You know, I'm looking at you and you're not reading that. You know that song. Oh, listen, if you're going to do a good karaoke, you got to know the words without reading. You know, you were you were you you were a little fast. You know what I mean? I think maybe the the music was there. You would have been you know more in tune. I I listened. I don't know if it's because of the podcast, but I listened to our last episode back, and I sounded like I was on crack. I was talking so fast. I'm going to learn how to slow down talking. You and I both know somebody a sales guy that talks so slow that it's infuriating to me. And I interrupt him all the time because I think he's done talking. And when then, you know, after knowing him for several years, one day having a drink with him after work, he confessed to me that he does that intentionally, that by talking slow, people really pay attention more. I said, no, it just makes me want to punch you that you've just told me that after all these years of frustration. Wow, I'm racking my brain. I don't know who it is. I'll have, we'll have to talk about it after the show. Yep. So we're going to talk today about tannin pool and uh, maybe how to prevent tannin pool, what causes tannin pool, uh, some tips and techniques. This goes along with the sealer application. Um, before we do, though, this portion of the show is brought to you by Shimano Curado fishing reels, built tournament tough. Corrado is the benchmark for reliability and durability. Generations of anglers had looked towards Corrado as their trusted partner. Shimano gives you more than the Corrado K series reels, now featuring the latest in Shimano technology. Um, what the hell is that? I'm trying to get a new fishing reel. Huh? <laughs> so now you're a spokesperson uh, uh, for uh, Shimano reels. reels. Now, look, I, I get it. I know you're a good fisherman and everything, but doesn't it require, if you're going to be a spokesperson for, what are they again? Shimano. Say Shimano. Again. Shimano built tournament tough. Corrado is the benchmark for reliability and durability. Yeah. If you're going to be their spokesman, now, don't you need to, you know, if you're going to be a spokesman for a company, don't you need to, you know, win a Super Bowl or win a bass tournament, be a bass master champion or something? I, I, don't get me wrong. You're probably the best fisherman I've ever shook his hand, but are, are you championship caliber? Are you going to, do you think you're worthy of being part of the Shimano team? You know, the, the thing about Shimano is you don't have to be championship caliber. These, these, these rules, these reels are built tournament tough. Corrado's a benchmark for reliability and durability. So they make you feel like a world champion. Remember you said you were going to try and slow down when you were talking? 
Yeah, but uh, that's, you know, that's I'm, gone. I'm, an, I'm an ad man now. That's gone. That's <laughs> out the window. All right. All right. Let's talk about Tannen Pool. Wayne, what is Tannen anyways? I mean, I've seen it and it turns everything dark, but exactly what is tanning? What is the chemical makeup of tannins? Well, so there's a lot of chemicals that are in that are in wood, right? And tannin is is just is one of those chemicals. Um, it's it can be challenging when um, uh, you've never experienced before, and all of a sudden you end up with it uh, with it on your job. Uh, to describe it, um, it could look brown or green, or, or it could look orange, and and it's like um, if you set your if if you take a white oak floor an old white oak floor and you set the applicator down with water-based finish especially some of them that doesn't have tannin blocking properties tannin is a chemical that's in the wood but you would never know that unless you had an issue with it and and some ways you can have an issue with it is that you get tannin pull in other words they took the applicator and they set it down too long or they or there was a you know the the finish went on what i call the high side of the t-bar and left a trailer and it was a little puddle, a little bit more finish there, uh, and it can bring up the brown and brown spots or green or sometimes orange looking spots that are unsightly um, and, and can be challenging, right? So we'll talk about ways that you can avoid tan and pull on your, on your jobs. It's a tough repair. Tan yeah. and pull is a really, really tough repair. Well, it's almost like you can't repair it. You have to work on hiding it rather than repairing it. Yeah, I think you either, most likely you're, you're sanding down the bare wood. And a lot of people think if I put a stain down first, then I'm not going to get tannin. But you can pull tannin up through stain, right? If you leave a heavy enough spot. I think the, the, where I've seen most of the tannin pull, you know, working around the Northeast and the New England area and everything, there is... Um, Actually, there's more white oak in that, in our area than there is red oak. So we come in touch, uh, in contact with a lot of white oak. And, you know, tannin pull is, is crazy with the white oak. But one of the reasons that I always saw tannin pull or, you know, looked at tannin pull and whatever, it, if you pulled a great coat, very rare are you ever going to get tannin pull. It's when you're cutting heavy or leaving heavy marks or that trailer line that you're leaving out the back end of the T-bar mm -hmm. and, and not going back. That video that we just made, uh, our e-learning term uh, team made about how to pull the tinted sealers, uh, that is the absolute way that you should pull every sealer. You know, going back, cutting behind, not cutting ahead, babysitting those trailer lines, feathering all that in, feathering your edges behind and not ahead. Because all of that, when, when you have all, when you do that practice, you're not going to see Tampa. I mean, every, every training center we have, we have white oak. We have at least one panel, like in New Jersey, we have two panels of white oak because there is so much white oak around here. And, you know, that's one of the things that we stress is when you're pulling that applicator, how, you know, especially that first one, you know, you and I have had many conversations about it, but I, I think out of all the coats of finish you're going to pull, that first coat is, to me, that's the money coat. If I get that one right, everything, the chips are going to fall into place. Have you ever took, and I think this would be interesting for people to do, if you took a piece of an old, especially an old white oak board, that could be a new white oak board too, uh, and put it in boiling water. 
dip it in boiling water for about, about you know six inches of the board in clean boiling water and let it sit there for for a few minutes and watch what it does to that board that board will come out snow white clean and you'll see how much how much of that tan and all the other stuff that leaks out of that uh, out of that floor it's night and day difference it's it's really amazing to see it i have my own theories about tan and pull rob and i know you agree with this as well um i think it starts before the coat starts on the sealer and if you if you don't tack rag your floors really well and this is a really great reason to use a tampico brush but if you're you know and some people will say you know what it's just a seal coat uh we're going to buff it down anyhow it's good we're good let's go um but that dust that's on top of that floor that you would have picked up with a microfiber mop or you would have picked up with the uh with a tampico brush um gets accumulated in the pore line you know as your t-bar is going across the floor and back and forth, back and forth, you're accumulating that, that dust into, the, into your, your active pore line. So now, anywhere you set that T-bar down at all, for any length of time, even this short length of time, you're, you're vulnerable to getting uh, uh, tandem pull marks, okay? That's one. Two, my motto, thin to win, is never more important to me than an old white oak floor um, that I'm pulling, pulling water-based finish on. Because I really think that, like, I feel like I can fix anything as long as I don't go too heavy. And I, I, that's, a, that's an instance where, you know, and I talk about 516's top mill floors a lot because they were, they were prevalent in the area that I, that, I, that I worked in. And in my mind, they're an antique floor now. So throw out the rules. I'm going to treat them differently. And if I have an old floor or a white oak floor that I'm worried about tan and pull, to me, you got to tack, you got to do a great job of tacking. The Tampico brush is brilliant for this um and then and i'm not you know you know i believe in rolling i'm i am absolutely a, a, a fan of rolling i i believe in probably 70 percent of my final coats i roll weren't you ranked didn't you have a, a worldwide ranking in rolling i mean weren't you i was ranked? number three in uh, no with the t-bar that's right i thought no 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 i, I was number it three in the world with a t-bar bar. i was uh that that was me that was number three in the team. You were. I know you three. love stealing my story. No, no, but. you were. You were number three. I, you were. Yeah, I don't dispute that. Oh, when you I knocked me out of the. the yes, number three. when I surpassed you, you dropped down to number seven. You know, all these years, I always was like, you know, it's awesome that Wayne is nationally world ranking in rolling, and I'm nationally ranked in T bar. And but now it's just not enough, is it? You you want them, <laughs> you want them both. I can't have, I can't have anything. I know you're probably pretty pissed right now that I've actually done some talking during this show. We'll we'll edit all that out. Don't worry. About yeah, that. yeah. We'll we'll get rid of the uh, some a lot of your talking points. Um, so I'm a I'm a believer in rolling. I absolutely am, and I'd probably towards the end of my career, probably seven out of ten final coats I rolled. But I do not believe in rolling seal coats. That's not a bona rule. That's not, that's, that's just my way of looking at it. I don't see a good reason to roll seal coats in my opinion. Um, I, I, I like the way the T-bar puts it down. I can put it down the way I want it and I can control it and, um, and, it, and it goes quickly. And um, that's just my, my model. And I had really never had a lot of issues at all. Matter of fact, when I first became a rep, when I hear guys talk about issues with tannin pool, I had to I had to drop back and figure out well why is this going on because I really honest to God never really experienced a lot of tannin pool issues at all and that's the honest to God truth. Um, but then 
you know, going to your schools, I got a chance to fool around with a, the, you know, where it didn't matter, put it on the panel and, 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 and intensely put that, uh, create situations that would give me tan and pull. And I've come to realize that that is a recipe that for me, that, that is the reason why I've not had really an issue with it. Well, like I said, I mean, we, um, at the school, like uh, every school, we have at least one huge panel of white oak. So we can really, and, and that's where we train people on the water-based sealer, because if you can get it right on white oak, you can get it right on anything with that first coat of sealer. Yeah. And we, we absolutely have never seen it. We have never seen it, but you got to remember, you know, we have instructors and kids and everything. Like today we had, you know, we had five guys who have never sanded a floor at this school today, never sanded. And they pulled amber seal and they pulled natural seal on white oak panels. And before I left, I went over and looked at them. They were all dried up. Absolutely no tan and pull at all. And these are the products that, you know, but you got to remember we're training them the same way. And this is what I love about the e-learning thing is how what we teach in the schools is exactly what is on the e-learning. So, you know, when you're tuning into the e-learning or you're coming to the school, everybody's on the same page and there's absolutely no tannin pull, but we are, you know, you know me, I got my stick and I'm pretty strict. I don't mind, you know, telling a guy, do that over, get in, you know, I had a 74 year old guy. He was humping, man. You want to see the sweat pouring off of this guy? I'm like, look, I said, listen, nobody can work like an old man. Okay. You work kids under the table. Oh, once I said that baby, he was, he was everywhere, man. Uh, he was all over it. But that's the, the thing that, you know, going out and looking at jobs with people when I was a, you know, territory manager and some of the tan pulls was, you know, it was puddling. It was the streak. It was things that were being left behind and just kind of moving too fast sometimes. And I, it, when you said thin to win, there's, that scares me. And I, I know what you mean. Well, okay. there's a, we're walking a, a thin line there, you know, because too thin to win on that first coat, you know, in a dry area, too thin to win is, could, can be an issue. It's going to set too quick. So I understand what you're saying. You don't want to flood that floor. You want to keep it as, you know, a nice thin line when you're pouring out and everything, but um, not too thin. You know, we don't want to use a heavyweight applicator or anything. We still want that finish to be able to flow and level out. You're, you're, you're right about that. And which brings me to my next point. I, on floors that, that are vulnerable, that I was really concerned about it, Let's, especially if, you know, there's a lot of gray floors, white floors that are, you know, you see not to put white stain on, uh, on uh, white oak, but uh, the pastel color floors and what have you, or sometimes they're, they're doing like a thin, just a really light gray floor or something to that effect. And in those cases, I, I, I believe, and in, even in a natural finish floor, I think a lot of times two seal coats put on thin is a way to go. Put the, put the two, two seal coats on, don't abrade the first coat. You know, with our, with our finishes, you can hot coat as long as you're within what, uh, 72 hours, is that it? 48 hours. 48 hours. Then, uh, so put two, two coats on. I do, I'm a believer, especially in those pastel type of colors, I, I, I like putting two, two seal coats on braid the second one and then and then go from there you know that's the thing about this job man i mean there's there's this would be real easy if you just had to follow you know boom 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 you do everything exactly the same way you get the same results 
So much of this is job site specific. So much of it is what you're trying to achieve. So much of it is what you have to work with. You know, like I said, these old 516 floors are antiques. A lot of, a lot of times you get on these floors that are, uh, that are all the, we call them shiners. They're, they've been sanded so many times that it looks like flying into Las Vegas at night. Every seven inches, you got to roll across, nails across the floor. And I can tell you, there's nothing more disheartening when you, when you get on a sand job, a 516 floor, and you make your first pass on a sander and you're bringing up every shiner in the floor. Mm-hmm. You're, you're cursing and you're, and you're admiring the last guy before you at the same time. You're thinking that son of a gun did a good job of disguising these nails, man. He painted them or he puttied every one of them perfectly, whatever. And then you put your first, your, your, your first pass and you're bringing up China as you know, you're in for a long day. And in that case, I know a couple things. I know it's a thin floor because it's showing shiners. I mean, right. And I know that it's it, um, the fact that there's, there's uh, all these nails every seven inches across the floor. That might be a time that I'll use our oil base sealer first. Right. And then go, then go to the, uh, to, to the, the traffic or, or mega or mega one or whatever. Make sense. You don't set those nails when you sand those floors. I got a rule with that. I have an absolute, and I'll, I'll, I'll argue with anybody on this. I set every nail and I putty every nail. And that is the, that is the, the truth with one exception. If, if I, if I've set the nails, putty, putty or set the nails, and then I'm going to make my, maybe I trial filled it or whatever. And now I make my last pass, see my last pass with a hundred grit. Um, and I bring up more shiners. I don't set them again. And the reason for that is uh, a lot of times you go to set them and it seats the board down lower than the board next to it. So in that oh, case, cool. I'll go back and I'll paint them or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hit them with a Sharpie depending on the color I'm trying to go with. You know, that, that flooring is weird. It's, it's in like pockets across the United States. Yeah. Like I, 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 I've never seen it ever. Okay. Yeah. No kidding. And, uh, I was up in Buffalo and I was in this distributor. We were doing a, a contractor day and I saw pallets of this, you know, this tiny little flooring, you know, this thin little three eighths floor, no tongue or groove on it or anything. I said, what is this patch and stock? And uh, the guy looks at me and he goes, no, it's flooring. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? This is flooring, you know? And I'm in New York. I go, I've been, I've been doing in the business for 40 years. I've never seen anything like this. And he goes, yeah, we have a lot of the, the top nailed stuff around here. And I started screaming, you know, top nail. Well, I said, you, do you have to set every nail? I, I would imagine you would have to set every nail if you're going to sand this floor. Um, some guys won't. But the thing is, too, if you don't set the nails, you, you create scratches in the sandpaper. Right? Yeah, you'd so score you know, your paper right yeah. away. So my brothers will tell you that the best thing that ever came along with these old 516 floors is the power drive. I wasn't going to talk about the power drive, but it's a perfect, your last pass, instead of running with a big machine with a 100 grit, hit it with a power drive, and you're not going to get them rakes going through the floor or the sandpaper, uh, which is a really good solution for that. And by the way, you said these 3 8 floors. Uh, guys that do 516 floors all their life, it's like, it's like being from San Francisco when somebody calls it Frisco. All right, they're 516, so they ain't 3 8 Okay. <laughs> so I guess that makes you a uh, champion of the 516 flooring. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't, I'm joking when I say I'm champion of the, uh, the T-Bar. Well, I'm speaking not. of champions, yeah, I, uh, I am kind of a champion. You know that. I am a champion barbecue. I've won some major uh, contests and everything. And I'll tell you what got me there, winning that major award, 
in that barbecue contest was the big green egg. Have you ever heard of the big green egg, Wayne? Uh, Let me just tell you about the big green egg. It is the ultimate cooking experience. It's the best Komodo grill, ceramic grill, and charcoal smoker on the planet. Thank you, big green egg, because that's what got me my championship. What are you doing now? <laughs> you listen. Well, this is my this was my commercial day. Oh, like, yeah. Well, uh, on the other hand, if if um, if Green Egg would like to ship one, please ship to Bona Regional Training Center, care of Wayne Highlander in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Do you know how to cook? I'm so bad as be. I, 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 I won't uh, even cook okay. for anybody. Yeah. I, I just won't. I, and I live in the South now, and and. Um, Everybody here is an expert on barbecue, and so I don't even try anymore. Everybody's yeah. got enough. You, you just, you know what? Stick to your fifty-five gallon drum full of wood and just roast a <laughs> hot dog over that. <laughs> Leave the real cooking to the to the champions of the world. So that's it, man. The, that's uh, that's why I don't think the big green egg is really right for you right now. You know, you, you uh, don't want to start there. You, I think you, you want to start off a little. You know, start off with a nice little Weber. Nice little Weber Kettering grill. You can, you know, start playing with charcoal and everything, learn how to heat sides. And I think you should start there, not with a big green egg. So you can send that right to Rob Johnson, Castleton, New York. You know, you make, you, uh, you make fun of me quite a bit, but, uh, you know, I got a letter here from the list, uh, listener, Rob. Oh, really? Yeah, I got a letter here. Let me read this letter to you from a listener. Wait a minute. You got a letter? Like, yeah, a letter. Somebody actually put a stamp and sent you a letter, huh? Absolutely. I can't, let's, I can't wait to hear what he says. Let's hear it. A listener writes, I really enjoyed the podcast. Any chance you can lose Rob? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Any huh? chance we can lose? Yeah. Guess what? I have a letter, too. You a listener a writes, dear Rob, it really bugs me that you can't get a word in edgewise with Wayne, that blowhard. He talks way too much. Uh, I know it's funny too because uh, he talks really fast. Also, we've we've been trying to slow him down a little bit. You, that, that's a letter that you got today. That was the letter I got. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Because Paul from Omaha writes, "I learn so much when you're talking instead of Rob." <laughs> yeah, I got another letter. You got one. It just came. Really? It just came. Came from Brian in Phoenix. He said, man, that Wayne really sounds like the king of panels. Panel king. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, that, that one hurts, Rob. I, I don't think there is a Paul in Phoenix, is there? I'm sorry. That one really came from that, you. That was, that was a little That low. came from your yeah. mother. You know, yeah. oh. your mother sent that letter. <laughs> <laughs> it's signed right here, Wayne's mother. Panel wizard. <laughs> the panel king. Um, Wayne, I'm really happy you uh, mentioned the Tampico brush because... Like I said, uh, in today's class, uh, today was Sealer Day. So this is a, a great time to do this podcast. And like I said, five brand new guys, never sanded at a floor before. Um, actually, three of them were instruct or not instructors. They were um, inspectors. So uh, it's fun to have inspectors at a class. They can oh, you a, had a lot of great insight and, you know, but uh not a lot of hands-on experience, you know, so it was great watching them and, you know, a couple of times like, yeah, see, it's not so, not so easy, is it? But one of the things that blew everybody away, and I'm glad you touched on it, and I want to touch on it again, because I, I think it's one of the 
more important tools that you can have in the truck is that Tampico brush. I, I had them back intact the panel. And then when they were done, I said, I, I want to show you guys something. I had everybody feel the floor and you feel the floor with the palm of your hand. And then I ran a Tampico brush in that area. Just now this was after it had been vacked and tacked. Then I ran a Tampico brush. Oh, the, one of the inspectors, I mean, it, it just blows everybody away. One of the inspectors looked at me and said, it, it looks like it has a coat of finish on it. It looked that great and felt that great that, and by getting that surface so clean and everything, like I said, with five brand new guys, first time on white oak, pulling water-based sealer, a tough water-based, we pulled amber seal on that, man, they knocked it out of the park. But it was because of the surface prep. I, um, we talk about the Tampico brush and it, people probably think, what does these guys deal with the Tampico brush? They would think I'm, I'm spo sponsored by them instead of Shimano, Corrado. Or, or the big green egg. Yes. One of the greatest but, cooking utensils ever. Absolutely. But damn it, it is a very inexpensive tool that to me makes a world of difference. And like we, I love that with we, every school we've ever gone to, we do the same thing. Like you said, or we do half of it where we just, maybe vacuum it only or vacuum vacuum it and hit it with a microfiber mop versus putting that Tampico brush on the floor. It's phenomenal. The difference it makes. Yeah. So, um, so repairs, repairs, repairs. Let's talk uh, about how we're going to repair this now. This is why it's so important. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, since we've gone to the pastel colored floors, it's even, it's even more critical because they're hard to repair. I really don't, I mean, and that's why I think I like putting them on thin. I like putting them on two coats uh, is, is my model. And that's, that's the way I look at it. But um, because in my experience, when you have tan and pull, and also we didn't talk about this too. A lot of times guys will get tan and pull because a cut in guy cuts in way far ahead of the guy with the T-bar and, and it sits there a long time. And by the time the guy, you know, um, does the field where they marry up, you're going to see a line across the floor. And that's why I kind of disagree with you in a way, but in a way, I, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, so your, your feeling is that it makes sense for the cutting guy to come in after the guy that's, that's running the T-bar. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, there are times that I think 100%. If I got a challenging floor, uh, we did some work at a casinos up in, the, up in the Lake Tahoe, and um, – where we could not stop the airflow. I mean, it is drying right now. Uh, it's like a wind tunnel. In that case, I had the guy come behind me and cut in. Mm -hmm. and, and it makes complete sense to me. I completely agree, agree with it. But once you reach number three in the world with a T-bar, I'm fine with guys cutting in in front of me. But the, the, it's, the key is communication that you have to really, and especially there's nothing worse than getting a new, I mean, it's great watching two guys that work together all the time. You can tell the guys that coat together day in and day out. They don't have to talk, you know, he knows, or they'll just walk the job, go, Hey dude, we're going to come out here, blah, blah, blah. We just set out and we're going to go out this way. That's all they need to say. Um, when you start with a guy that, you, that doesn't do a lot of cutting in for you, whatever, then, then you got to worry about the guy and you got one eye on what you're doing and one eye on what he's doing. And by the way, really that's the way it should be. I mean, you're, you're, you're watching me, I'm watching you, just to make sure if the lighting is bad or what have you, that we're, we're, we're checking each other out. I've said it before that this is no time to talk about what we're going to do tonight. This is no time to, I mean, look at all the time and money and effort that goes to this point of the job. When we get to this point of the job, man, I mean, it's go time. This is the tipping point. 
Yeah. We're either going to get this one right yeah, or we're going to fight it for the rest of the time. And now, I, I, I get what you're saying about cutting ahead, mm -hmm. okay? But when you're using these tinted products, even though you do cut ahead, uh, and, and let's say the guy is just, you know, a couple of feet in front of you and it's going to meld and blend and everything's going to be good. I still feel there's an opportunity there where you can't get that T-bar up as close as you can, like you can with a cutting pad. Mm -hmm. It just won't go that close. I, and the other thing about the cutting guy, I want my cutting guy cutting small, no more than three inches, nothing. Okay. I'm going to pull that T-bar right up as tight as I can. You're only going to have to make at most a two inch correction on what I'm doing. So that's all I want. I don't want you to take a two inch cut in and turn it into two feet. And you, you see that right away. I mean, I saw it today, you know, I saw accidents. And when you're talking about, you know, you're looking out for me and I'm looking out for you. I have a, I coach it a little different. Okay. Especially cause I'm working with new guys. So as soon as a guy jumped out, I go, okay, I need a couple of volunteers. Well, the one guy, he jumps right up and he's, I'll be the T-bar man. I go, good, good move. Perfect. Okay. I go, because that's the easiest part of the job right now. Mm -hmm. All I want you to do is watch that pile, watch that line, snow plow it out right and keep it straight. That's all I want you to do. That's all you're looking at. And I looked at the cut in poor man. I go, he screwed you. You're the one who's going to work. You're going to bust your back here, okay? Because now you have to be looking at everything. You have to be watching his, make sure he has enough finish. You have to be making sure that he's not having any skips. You got to be cutting. You have to be watching his turns. You have to watch everything because I don't want both guys watching it. If you, I think if you have both guys watching it, that guy can't concentrate on pulling a perfect coat. That's where I think the teamwork comes in. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, a pitcher's out there and he's throwing pitchers and everybody's like, man, oh man, this guy is amazing. But it's really the catcher behind the plate is telling him exactly what to do. People say, Wayne, he's a fourth generation foreman. <laughs> he, he's the trainer. How, how, can you, how can you disagree with him? <laughs> Rob Johnson, who would have the nerve to disagree with him? No, no, it's Rob yeah. freaking yeah. Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yet I'm going to find a way to do that. Uh, listen, <laughs> if I could, if I could trust the cutting guy, I agree with you, but I just can't trust anybody. <laughs> so for that reason, I'm going to watch him. He's going to watch me. And here's another thing too: if there's three guys on the job, and at the end of the job, you know, let, let's face it, you you know, a lot of times you get to that. Oh, it's five o'clock. It's getting to the end of the day. We got to get this code on today. We got a cutting guy. We got the, the other guy that's for the, with a the T-bar. The third guy that happens to be on the job, there, there's no, really no reason sometimes for having two cutting guys. and certainly no reason for, for maybe two guys that are, that are running the T-bar. But that third guy, he's our eyes now. You know what I mean? It's probably getting late in the end of the day, whatever. Then, then I, if you're out there looking at your phone or whatever, you're, you, you, you're, you get in there and you watch too. Because what does it hurt? You know what I mean? Why not? Why not? And, and it's just another, it's just another way of, 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 you know, covering yourself. Absolutely. I, when I pulled my first seal coat, this is on, you know, if I'm helping my son or on jobs when, when I still have my company or. That was 19 odd two. <laughs> that was, yeah. 
You still you one of those guys that you used to take the horse and buggy there. Yeah. You're one of those guys with steel wool that that didn't call it number two steel wool or or, or sandpaper. It wasn't hundred double lot. Double lot. Yeah. 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 I go back that far. Absolutely. Well, uh, one one of the things that I tell the class, and I you know it was great. Like I said, great to be back training again. Oh my God, it felt so good today. And when I'm giving my speech, you know, one of the big speeches I give at every class is when we're standing there in the bare wood, and we're getting ready to pull that first coat of water-based sealer. And first thing I did, you know, we had fans. It was hot, man. It was about 90 degrees, no air conditioning that building. It was a hot one today. I was dripping. So first thing I said to everybody was like, I'm telling a couple of the kids, go close that door, close that garage door, turn off the fans. I want everything shut down, everything. I don't want any air movement. I also said to him, I go, look, when we're doing this, just like you said, if there's a third man out there, this is all hands on deck. Okay. If you get that, if you do, if you have the luxury of having a third guy, I want a third guy out there exactly doing what you just said. Yeah. Eyes and looking, what is going on with the finish? Where are we going? I tell even helping bump on some of the jobs. First coat. We're on, you know, we're on the bare wood. We're gonna do the first coat. And he loves listening to music. Just before we got started, I said, all right, fans off, air conditioner off, everything's off. Yeah. I go, turn off that freaking radio. Yep. He's like, what? Yep. I go, turn off the radio. He goes, oh, what's the matter, Mr. Hotshot Trainer? I go, whatever you want you okay? You want me to help you? Turn off the damn radio. Yeah. Rest of the coats, let the music fly. We're, yeah, we'll be good. We'll be able, we will earn the right to listen to music the rest of the time if we can get this first coat right. Well, you and me are a lot alike, man. Yeah, sometimes right. and then sometimes it's like yeah we are <laughs> <laughs> okay i just want to say on the repair like i said the sad thing about this is that um uh, in my estimation most of the time you're you're sanding down a bare wood um to fix tannin pull and um it's not often that the second coat can fix it and i never re i never and in that camp that you know what we got an issue right here the second coat will probably fix it because most of the time it doesn't. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes it'll fill in, and and that's experience. And, and it's like having chatter marks with the old machines. You would know exactly how much you could get away with uh, that it would fill in with that next go to finish. You know what I mean? Most of the time you're gonna get burned. Right. But there's time. There's a tipping point where you know what? It'll fill in on the next coat. Um, but uh, that's when the old uh, the old split drums. But um, so that's it's such a tough repair that uh, yeah, I think you're, you're sanding down the bare wood and then you're taping off and you're maybe, uh, and especially with the pastels, now it's a whole nother kettle of fish. Where, how many uh, times did you, when you were in your career, how many times did you attempt to repair? And then by the time you got done, you, thought, you sat back and you went, man, it would have been a lot quicker if I just went and got the drum and sanded this thing. Never. Rather than. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I, yes, and I, there. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna ask me a question like that come on um you, you you told me something a long time ago that i never forgot i mean probably 10 years ago or more uh is the juice worth the squeeze you're right in other words if it's at a point where i'm going to mickey mouse this and i i've got so much repairs to do and and whatever uh, it, it, a lot of times it makes more sense to bring out that drum but or the belt sander but 
if I'm at that point where I think that's a that that's a concern, I will try to fix one or two or three of them as best I can. And I'll judge it on that. Okay, how much time did that take? Did I fix it like I thought I would? If I'm happy with that, I'll move forward. Uh, but if not, sometimes sometimes the best solution is um, is to blame it on 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 your brother and uh, and get the sander back out. Or throw the cat in. Didn't you guys coat a cat or something yeah, and throw him yeah, in there? Yeah, I yeah. love that story. Yeah, I, I appreciate you giving me the props on is the juice worth the squeeze? Because I that I love saying that. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. You're a good guy. Absolutely. I mean, Shimano would be. They'd be blessed. They'd be blessed to have a man like you representing their line, their uh, amazing fishing reels. Yes, thank you. You know, when it, when you when you, I don't catch. I don't. I release most of my fish. I rarely keep any. But if I did, is there a good way to cook them? Let me tell you something. There's the only way to cook them, and that's to cook a fish. Smoke that fish on a big green egg. The world's best outdoor barbecue system ever made. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.